Need a quick hit of Marketing Smarts inspiration? Here it is. We have lifted portions of our Marketing Smarts episodes for those of you who need a quick jolt of marketing savviness right now. Refer to the description for how to find a longer form version. And with that, here it is. We want to give you the top four ways to know that you are ready to roll to become an entrepreneur. Yes. So the first one, you feel unsatisfied and unfulfilled and therefore you have lost your passion. So I gave a nod to this in the intro. What I'm not talking about here is just having a bad day at work. We all have those. It's called work for a reason, right? It's not meant to be fun 100% on the time. What we're talking about is an overwhelming feeling that you're just not where you should be. You're so acutely aware of it that you feel it in your bones. You get up every day and you just can't imagine facing the day in front of you. And there's really no reason for that, right? There's no, you're not in danger. You're not, you know, nothing's going to happen to you as you go to your job, but it has become so insurmountable to you as a feeling that you have a hard time putting one foot in front of the other. And then once you set foot inside the building, and I know this sounds dramatic, but you literally feel your soul being sucked out of your body. Uh, Things that never used to bother you or even things that you used to like to do, they now irritate the utter shit out of you and you can't imagine having to do them anymore. You find yourself daydreaming about ways to be anywhere else. You just feel it in your core. And on top of that, you can't think of any other place you'd like to work. So... I'll be honest here, career kind of job jumper. I worked at many of the agencies in town and in other places and um, was always able before the point when I reached this point to be able to find the next thing. I wanted to go to this agency because of culture. I wanted to go because I was going to learn something new. I wanted to go because it was a new set of clients. There was always something drawing me to the next thing. When you reach the point where there really is no next thing, that's a really good indicator that you might be ready to go on your own. Um, And honestly, this is kind of the point where no matter how great your boss might be, you can't stomach having a boss anymore. I mentioned having my schedule kind of laid out for me every day. I just didn't want that. I didn't want to be told how to do it, what to do, when to do it. It's about autonomy and flexibility. And when those things become so strong that you cannot imagine your life anymore the way it is, that's one of those key points when that says, hey, I think I'm ready. Yeah, I had a similar story, too, from the corporate side. And you're going to see that uh, me and April played the agency corporate side uh, <laughs> on both sides. So it gives you a full perspective since I uh, grew up at P&G. But I, uh, I reached a similar point where I just felt like I was outgrowing the company. And that feels very weird to say um, because P&G is so huge. And it it seems obvious, well, if you don't like it here, just go there. And I did do that for 20 years. I started in product development. I went into products research. I went into communications and, you know, more specialized in influencer marketing. But as I like, looked at in my next like 10 years, what was going to be my next 10 years, I'm like, I just could not find the next place to go that was going to give me the same passion, same fulfillment that I had experienced in the previous 20. And I just couldn't see myself just toiling away in a company that I didn't feel like I was giving my best at and that wasn't pulling the best out of me. And that's really what made the impetus for me to um, start to like put things into place in order to act, you know, eventually leave. Um, now, mine happened a little bit quicker than I expected, but sometimes you have to take advantage of the opportunities as they, as they come, too. So, um, yeah, I think you, there's there's a moment where you just you, you kind of see your future laid out in front of you and you're just like I just don't 
think that's the future I want. Now, this is where the paralyzing fear comes in too, right, April? Because Mm -hmm. you look at it and you're like, but it's a secure paycheck. This is a really good company. Why would I want to leave? I actually had this conversation with my husband. Why would you want to leave that place, you know? So um, it's just there's something, a calling. There's something more that I wanted to to do. I wanted the flexibility. I wanted to do something more. I wanted to expand and just felt confined. Yeah, exactly. Um, And I think once you reach that point, that's a good segue to our next one, which is, okay, you have this feeling, but like I said in the setup, you've started to think about what happens then as a result of that. What am I going to do to make this my new reality? And so the next one we have here is, you know, there's a better way, but you also know how to monetize it. Right. And this is the one where a lot of people sit and, like you said, and they dream about, oh, if I could just do it like this, or if I just had a different boss, or if I had the ability, you know, or I had the money to do this, or I had the ability to do this, or if I had more time, I could do this. Like, there's always some excuses, but there is definitely something that's usually kind of rattling around in your head um, as you're thinking about, like, it, it, or as you're thinking about life in a more entrepreneurial way. Now, there's a very big difference between actually thinking about it than actually doing something about it. And it's actually not that many people who end up going to do something about it. These are the people who continue to complain about the way things <laughs> are and, you know, and what they wish they could do if they only had more time, money, space, a boss that, like, listened to them or a coworker that wasn't trying to step all over. I'm like, whatever your excuse, I mean, those are always, you know, the uh, there's always an excuse there as to why you can't put into place what you want to go into put into place. And it could be very real. I'm not saying that it's not necessarily real. Um, But you have to get beyond that, right? And so there's something about then being able to start formulating in your head what it is that you understand or that you know that other people do not. And that was really like a a key pivotal one for me. And actually, that's how a lot of people start first on their entrepreneurial journey is they start practicing that within the place that they're in to first see how it works, how people respond. It's a really good test and learning environment to do it in your own place. And very rarely have I ever heard of people saying, no, you can't go try something. And and just as an example, um, my last role at P&G I actually created my own role because I saw this opportunity to be able to go beyond the basic just brand benefit of what we're, we were providing to deliver more emotional benefits and really focusing on the emotional benefit as being a brand driver versus the product benefit. Now, that's not saying the product benefit isn't important. This is just the next layer above. And that's what I started uh, uh calling cultivating brand love. And that became um, a way of speaking about branding that even though people kind of inherently knew and understood, wasn't necessarily formulated or documented and process-oriented so that you could actually be all on the same page with what that means and how you go do that. So that became something I started to practice was like, okay, how do you look beyond just delivering a benefit and how do you deliver emotional connection? And I realized that that worked very much in laundry. I've talked about my Tide example about how you reach a billion-dollar business more by creating love connections than you do just by saying that your product's the best. But outside of that category, too, and I was like, ah, I think this actually travels. So I started testing it out with my client, or I'm not clients at that time. They were my people that I worked with, obviously, in my partnerships and um, and those sorts of things. And, you know, and at that point, it's like, hey, this is working for them, too. So all of a sudden, something started to kind of develop that I felt I could actually sell and monetize against. 
Now, if I was talking to our performance coach, Scott, um, who is also our sponsor, um, he would tell me, um, or he start, how he started with me with this was, if you lost your job today, what could you go sell tomorrow? And that's a really fundamental question to ask yourself because a lot of people are like, I don't know. I don't know. I'm not, I don't have anything. I'm not special in any way. But there is something that you understand inherently better than anybody else. If you can start wrapping your mind around what that is and call it like your your IP, your own individual IP, your own individual intellectual property, that becomes something that is tangible that you can put a price tag on. Yeah. And I think the other thing that happens here, you know, we've talked a lot about fear and we'll continue to do so throughout this. But um, I would say that this moment becomes more of a non-emotional moment than others within the journey because you've dealt with the emotions of, okay, I feel this way or I don't want to do it this way or, you know, kind of your complaint side of things. But now that you've made the decision that you're going to give this a shot, you have to take a step back and really think logically about what it is you're able to put out there. And then that'll get you to the monetized piece because honestly, the identifying it is the hard part. Mm -hmm. Once you find the thing, then it's like, okay, well, what do I think I can charge for this? But that's a, you know, much lesser decision. And so this piece is interesting because It is a self-reflection, yes, but from the objective standpoint of how am I different in what I can go do that no one else can do. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. All right. So that's number two. And then number three is a big one. You're prepared to make sacrifices in your lifestyle to get your business off the ground. And I'm going to let Ann take this one, but I'm going to poke fun at her because, well, and myself, quite frankly, because this is when I knew uh, we were kindred spirits. She talked to me about when she started her own journey, we were kind of like, you know, bemoaning the fact that you have to give up certain things. Uh, And for her, it was all about downgrading the wine selection to the cheaper (laughs) shelf at the store. And I totally appreciate appreciated that because I could see myself standing in front of that same shelf at a similar time and saying, oh, man, we better go down to the lower. In fact, for me, I went too lower than that. Um, But so anyway, I'll turn it over to her. But just that little anecdote is a fun one for us. Yeah. I mean, choices have to be made. um, And I think the I learned how to appreciate wine in France. So um, it was uh, it was it was a hard it was a hard one for you. But I did not give up my housekeeper. So like, it's all about making like really (laughs) critical, important choices about what's going to be fundamental in order to support your journey and what you can live without. And take it from me, there's some things that you think you cannot live without that you figure out you can or at least can temporarily. Like, we didn't like blow up our whole entire life. We decided, you know, we have, you know, four kids, like we wanted to make sure that they didn't uh, dare I say, suffer at the hands of some of the choices we've made. Now, we made better choices with regards to what we we're going to do. So, for example, instead of taking, you know, all of us, all six of us and going to Hawaii on vacation, we went to someplace that we could drive to, right? So you just kind of start making some balancing those choices. It doesn't mean we don't want to go on a vacation for five years, although that might mean it for some people, depending on where you're starting. Um, but you, it, it did mean that I wasn't 
you know, drinking the wine I wanted to drink or I didn't get to, um, we didn't go out to eat as much. Um, we cooked a lot more at home or I didn't go shopping as much as I would. And, and because you're, you know, in, in this new entrepreneurial world, sometimes you can flex on that too, where you don't need like the designer wardrobe. Like I felt like I need a, a, I needed a PNG. So, you know, there's, there's lots of choices you can make, but you find that the thing that means the most to you is your pursuit. And if your pursuit is worth it, if it means that much to you, these other things become immaterial. But the thing you need to really plan for is the fact that it could take you, and it's on average takes people at least one and a half to two years to really get something off the ground. And I can say that humbled me tremendously because you know, leaving, you know, my corporate world, I thought that my whole experience there was going to carry me a whole lot further than I thought. Um, And now I still had a great network and there was tremendous people who helped me and they were totally willing to mentor me and coach me. But I didn't get my phone calls returned like I used to when I was at, you know, P&G, where everybody returned my phone calls. It took a lot longer. Um, I had to plant a whole lot more seeds in in trying to network. And networking for me, I'm, I tend to be a little bit introverted, um, is, is hard. Um, it, it, it's exhausting, emotionally exhausting. So I had to really be intentional in creating a network that was going to be able to support me um, in, in getting my business off the ground. Right. So those things like, you know, are, are really critically Im- important to do. But you have to really like plan on the fact that this could take upwards of two years and make sure that you are prepared for that. And not feel like you're failing along the way if it takes even longer. I mean, sometimes my my flyway was bigger. Um, so it took my me a little bit longer to get that going. And that's totally fine. Just be real with where you are how important this is to you and make the right choices. Yeah. And the one thing I would add to that is don't be afraid to pivot. So Anne Mm -hmm. took the shot at me with the the person that cleans the house. Uh, That was one of the things I canceled and stupidly thought that my husband and I could get along and rotate cleaning bathrooms, which turned out to be an extremely bad choice. And we reinstated the cleaning person and sacrificed something else. Um, But I, I would just say that the one thing to be careful of here is you still have to live your life, which you heard Anne talking about, um, but you also have to remain inspired. And some of that becomes eliminating things that drag you down. So, you know, fighting with my husband every week about who was going to clean the bathroom just seemed ludicrous after so many years together. Um, that was an easy thing to fix. And guess what? It opened up, you know, two to three hours of my week that then I could go and figure out something for the business. So I would just say, don't feel like you have to go back to eating ramen noodles like you did in college. That's not what we're talking about here. And if that's going to be your situation, quite frankly, be careful. Make sure you really take a hard look. Um, because here we're just we're we're saying, okay, you have to make some sacrifices, yes, but they should be choiceful and purposeful and help drive your energy toward a point that working on your business is still exciting and fun, even though it can be challenging at times. Mm-hmm. All right. And that brings us to our next one. Uh, final of the four, you have the processes in place for structure and focus. This is a question, honestly, that Ann and I get all the time, and we got it more than ever with COVID, quite frankly, because people that had never worked from home and weren't sure how to structure that. So we feel like it's a really, really important one to talk about here. Um, The self-discipline and motivation that is required to be a successful entrepreneur is something that you really, really have to consider. Um, 
for me, I mean, I was so worn out by the time I left my job because I'd been scheduled in 45 hours of meetings a week. I'd had 100 or 200 emails a night that needed to be attended to when I got home. Um, You know, I was running like crazy and had a small child at the time. And so I just had so many things that needed tackling every day that after I made the choice to be on my own, which is, again, by far and away the biggest one, the second biggest challenge, honestly, was like, oh, well, what now what do I do with all this time? And I think that this can be intimidating. The first thing I would say is do something, do anything, do something proactive, make it digestible chunks of things. Um, and then also just Try to figure out what works for you for a schedule standpoint. So like I said, for me, being in nine to five meetings every day did not use my energy appropriately. And I wanted my life to be a lot more fluid, um, the ability to work when I wanted, to work out when I wanted, to do the grocery shopping when I wanted. And so I started thinking about my weeks in in terms of chunks of time blocks and when was I going to get certain things finished based on when it was the best time of day for me to do that. And also making sure to not become so structured in it that then it became demotivating the way those hours and hours of meetings had become. Um, So I think it's a, again, it's a, you know, try things out, adjust as you need to, but really you have to make sure that you are honest about the fact that you need to be prospecting, you need to be doing work and working on clients, you need to be networking with people. So what does that balance look like? What do your new days look like? And then go about putting that structure in place in a way that's going to be meaningful for you. And if none of that works, then just remember that time is money literally for you at this point. So you're on your own, no steady paycheck. You better hit the ground running and get out there. Um, Could you watch Netflix all day? Yeah, no one's your boss. No one's out there watching you. But that certainly isn't going to turn into any sort of profit or paycheck or, you know, growth of your business. Yeah. And I think just I've one point I'd build on that is that you also need to know when to call it a day. Yeah. Right? Because there's nobody telling you, okay, this is a nine to five job or you're not punching a clock. And it's very hard to feel like in pursuit of your dream and because of all the uncertainty that surrounds it, that you need to work 24-7. And the thing that I've realized the most after leaving the corporate world was that, listen, there's seven days a week, there's 24 hours in a day, to your point that you just made, April, it's up to me to figure out how to make those work. So the one awesome thing about being on your own is you do have the flexibility. Um, I wake up and, you know, my kids my kids are older now, so I don't have to get them off to school. But I actually work out in the morning because I like to – that's my time to learn. So I put on my podcast. I go for a walk. I go to the gym. That's the time I, I learn. I get to my computer probably for the first time. I might do a couple emails before or, like, in the, in, in the walk. I get to my computer probably, honestly, for the first time, maybe around 1030 in the morning, Right. But I work a solid four hours and because I don't have all the distracting meetings, everything else that's going on. That is a solid four hours of work. Can you, I mean, when was the last time all you guys out there put in a solid four hours of work <laughs> in a day? like Uninterrupted. Uninterrupted. Like, it, it just doesn't happen. So, you know, that is, like, real honest to goodness. Like, I'm pushing my business forward work. And then I might take a break for a little bit, and then I might work in the evening. And I don't resent working in the evening or on the weekends now because I'm working at it in pursuit of myself. And that's when my energy makes sense for me to be able to do that, to squeeze that in. 
Um, I spent a lot of time working, I write, actually like writing my book, my um, the first book I wrote, like when um, my daughter's at soccer practice. That was my writing time. I mean, so you have to like find the right times that make it work for you. But it's really, really important to say, and it's okay to say, hey, I'm done for the day. Or even more importantly, I'm taking the day off. Mm-hmm. Like I'm not doing anything. Or I'm going to, like, you, it, those are okay. I, we just want to tell you guys that is okay. Yes, exactly. Um, and the next part we have here, those are kind of our top four ways to identify if you're going to be an entrepreneur or not. Um, we'll get to our in the trenches. But one more final thing that I think we've placed a fine point on, but it just is so worth mentioning one last time, is that the hardest part is making the leap. And that there is nothing bigger or more insurmountable than that moment when you take that leap. Yes, there will be moments where the money isn't coming in as quickly or a contract doesn't sign as fast as you want it to or, you know, your kid gets sick and you can't take a paid sick day, right? All these things come up. But you've really, I think, got to look at that opportunity and continue to look at it positively so that when you hit other hard times, you can look back and say, yes, but I did this. Look at the big choice I made to go and do this. And then you can go and kind of put yourself in the right mindset to go tackle whatever is next because it can't be as big as that. 